Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hey, Wellness and Wanderlust fam. I am so excited to be back with another episode for you. And this week, it is all about the workplace. Now, you may be wondering, how does that tie into wellness? But it truly does. Now, I remember when I first joined the workforce and somebody told me that you spend a third of your life at work. I had never really thought of things in those terms, but once I did, I realized just how much of an effect, positive or negative, that work can play on our mental health. So we're going to talk about that today, and we're actually going to get into the darker side of the workplace. My guest for today is Jana Morin. You are going to love her. She is the founder of Speakfully. And we're going to talk about navigating a toxic workplace culture. This is something that so many people unfortunately have to go through. It's a conversation that we wish we didn't have to have, but I think something that is so important to discuss. Jana goes into depth about her own story of workplace harassment on her blog, which I've linked for you in the show notes. But after experiencing that for herself, she created a platform called Speakfully, the platform she wished she had to create a more safe environment for documenting uncomfortable experiences experiences at work. In our conversation, Jana shares why documentation is so important and when we really need to start documenting our experiences. We also talk about navigating the gray areas, how we as coworkers and friends and leaders can support someone going through a similar situation, how organizations can create safer spaces for their employees to come forward, and how we can really practice self-care in the midst of any toxic situation. I loved learning about Speakfully and how it can be used to help women especially to speak up in those difficult times. I'm going to let Jana fill you in more. So without further ado, let's dive into this week's conversation. Hi, Jana. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust. Hey, Valerie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on. Now, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Where do I start? No, I'm just kidding. Um... (laughs) Hello, uh, my name is Jana Morin. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Speakfully. Uh, Speakfully is an anonymous reporting platform um, that we provide to organizations to give to their employees in order for them to uh, go to the organization with any issues or feedback, whether that be it could be it could be some misconduct, it could just be general feedback. And we want to do it and give it to them so that they have a safe and private way to do that if and when they choose to submit to the organization. I think it's an incredible platform and I would love to know the story behind it and hear a little bit more in your own words about your experiences in the workplace that led to Speakfully. Sure. Yeah. So I always joke that, I mean, how much time do you have? Because I could honestly <laughs> talk for like probably three hours about the entire story. Uh, it is a long one, but I think that that's kind of the point of it in the sense of why um, Seafood was created and um, why we're doing what we're doing is that there are a lot of gray areas when it comes to mistreatment in the workplace. And me in particular, um, I worked at an organization where my, uh, my boss you know, started to slowly, after months of working there, Initially, we had this really good relationship, professional relationship where, you know, he was really invested in my growth within the organization. He wanted to mentor me and be able to help me grow to the next level, which was something that was very important to me and always has been since I started my career. 
And over time, you know, things started slowly becoming uncomfortable, little things were being said, and it continued to escalate over time. And eventually I ended up leaving the organization. And once I left there, I reflected a lot on what I wish I would have had as an employee being in that space at that time. And also what I wish I would have, what I wish the organization would have had in order for me to come forward sooner than what I did, which was the day of exit. So try to mold those two together. And that's how Speakly was created and why we have um, created the way that we have and talk a lot about that gray area because it isn't black and white. It's not, you know, uh, this obvious thing that is happening this one time. It is things that happen over time. Um, and so I think it's really important to be able to have a platform like this so that people can try to navigate that and be able to come forward before it's too late, really. I think that's so important. And I cannot agree with you more about the gray areas. I think so often we question ourselves and whether, you know, as women, are we being quote unquote too sensitive? Are we picking up on something that isn't there, even though usually you're correct about the way that you're feeling and what you're picking up on? But as far as those gray areas go, how do you suggest for somebody maybe going through that at the time and maybe trying to decide how how to navigate those gray areas? When is it time to start recording those and really start taking some inventory, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure people have heard this often when people talk about this, but for me personally, and how I think that most people end up doing it is I think, or, you know, sometimes it's hindsight for people, but the first time that I started documenting was the instant that I, that I felt, okay, that didn't feel right. The, that made me feel uncomfortable. But again, you know, those gray areas, the reason why it's gray is because, you know, we did build a professional relationship up to this point. I felt like he had my best interests at heart. And that's what we, I, I had um, grown to learn over a course of three to four months where there was nothing like this that had happened up until this point. So I think that the first moment that you start feeling any certain way, you might not be sure of what you're feeling, but just go write it down because it's not going to hurt anything. Number one, um, number two, you may never look at it again. Who knows? But it will be there if you have it. The reason why people get so confused, and one of the reasons why I was so confused, was that that started happening. You know, four months after I started, after you know, I thought everything was going going great, and it slowly little things started happening, and I started writing them down. And over time, it started getting a little bit more aggressive each time. Again, it's such small little steps that it's really hard to say, oh, yep, this is it. I'm going to HR. I'm ready to go. Like, I know that this is sexual harassment or I know Mm -hmm. this is bullying or whatever it might be. And so I think the reason why people get so locked up and confused and thinking that they're being oversensitive is because they don't start writing it down right away. And when they don't start writing down the moment that they start feeling semi-uncomfortable, they get to a point, let's say five months down the line, where maybe a, a 10 different things have happened, but they're really small things. And each time you're like, well, you know, that's, no, maybe they didn't mean that, or, you know, I'm overthinking it. And because you didn't write those down, you get to a point where you're like, why do I feel like this? Why now I feel really bad? And I don't know why. And I can't figure it out. And it's because you can't clearly remember five months ago. You knew something happened. You kind of remember it, but you can't 
really, it's not in sequence. You don't have it logged anywhere. And so that's why it's, you don't tell anyone either because it's really hard to explain when you, mm-hmm. you know, have a series of 10 things um, that leads up to you feeling that way. And so people might not understand it until you tell them the 10 things. So when you talk about when I, what happened with me, if I was to tell someone one of the things that happened, they'd be like, yeah, that's kind of weird. But then I tell them the 10 things that happened because I had it all written down in sequence. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's not normal. You know, and so like mm-hmm. it's the first moment that you feel a certain way, whether or not you use it or you go back to it again, doesn't matter, but you just have it. Absolutely. And I think that documentation, it just because it is such an emotional situation as well. And it helps you to think clearly through all of it and to have, I I love the idea just to clearly remember it because, you know, yeah, five months down the line, you may not remember the, you, you might remember that someone maybe gave you a weird feeling, but you might not remember the conversation. Totally. You think that you're going to remember and then you don't, or you think that one time that something happened, you think that it means nothing, even though you feel weird about it. And then you don't write it down. But then, you know, five months down, you're like, God, I wish I would have wrote that down because now something happened a month later or whatever it might be. And, you know, and you're to your point, you're right. It is very therapeutic and it makes them look at it and be like, wow, this is something bigger than what I thought it was. Right. Like if they, if they don't down it's like I know I feel this way why am I feeling this way and then but if you write it down and you can see okay this happened this is how it made me feel well and then you can go back and you can say oh wow I remember when that happened okay yeah this is this is something bigger than I thought maybe I should go forward or come forward you know Mm -hmm. and I think something else that we struggle with a lot of times when we're going through something especially when we're experiencing maybe abusive behaviors or toxic behaviors from someone else is with these gray areas, we may know of other people who have been through clear cut sexual harassment or abuse or what have you. And I think we can get really bogged down in a little bit of the comparison game. And well, it's not as bad as what so-and-so went through. How do we push past that? And how do we pick up on, I think, the red flags that may be going on when they're not as clear cut as that? Yeah, I think it's a really good point. Just because it's not as bad as what somebody else or your perception of what is worse than what you went through, it doesn't mean it's okay, number one. Uh, Number two, I think we're so used to, you know, we have the whole Me Too movement, which was amazing and great, and it made people come forward and feel more comfortable coming forward than, 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 um, than prior to that. And... I think what's interesting about it now, and especially after, you know, because when I went through my experience, it was right before the Me Too movement is when it happened. And so that hadn't, you know, it hadn't been a thing quite yet. And even if it had, I don't know if I would have done anything differently necessarily. It's hard to say I wasn't in it. But what I think is what we see in the media now is we see the Me Too movement and it was very obvious that those things were not okay, you know, Mm -hmm. and that was a very very obvious. And I think with some of these gray areas that we're talking about and why people get so confused is that I know that I'm not, I'm not dealing with that, like with what the celebrities came forward with and what they, what they had went through. It's like, okay, I know that I'm not dealing with that. Right. And so now it's like, what, so maybe, maybe I shouldn't come forward because it's not that, but still psychologically and mentally, you know, you're exhausted, your productivity is decreased significantly, all of these things because of what you're trying to navigate or this person you're trying to navigate that is doing these things to you. And so I think that 
the moment that you are starting to lose productivity, which definitely will happen because you're trying to navigate somebody else's emotions or their actions is the moment that you know, okay, you know, this is not healthy. This is not normal. And this is where, you know, again, where they start writing it down versus not writing it down so that they can always reference it. Definitely. I think that productivity is huge. Yeah. When it is affecting your day to day in that, in that way, you know, that it's something a little more serious than, you know, maybe just taking a comment the wrong way that it's actually something that's impacting you. And I know that since you've shared your story and I'm going to share a link to your full story in the show notes for those who would like to read more, but other women have come forward and probably men as well, but especially women, I think in these situations who've come forward with other situations, toxic workplaces that they've been a part of and relationships, things like that. Mm -hmm. I'd love to know any commonalities that came up in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, almost every single one of them is very, very common in what I see when it comes through to me. So most of the people that find me are because they read my blog and they Googled something that they're trying to figure out what it is that they're experiencing. They can't figure it out. They know that something doesn't feel right. They don't know what it is. And they're trying to search for something because they want some validation. They want some support, but they're afraid to tell anyone to the reasons that we talked about before and that they feel like they're being, maybe are they overthinking it? Are they being too sensitive? If I tell them, are they going to believe me? They just aren't sure. And they just know it doesn't feel right. So the 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 women, it's all women that have reached out to me. So in, in my case, it is all women um, who've reached out to me since then. And probably a dozen plus, I would say, have. And majority of them are either currently in it or some of them even experienced it years ago and they're still trying to figure it out. But they all, whether they're currently in it or they previously have been in it, all of them are in therapy still because of it, whether it's post or present. They are have never told anyone before until they had told me because they were nervous to tell anyone who hadn't experienced it because for the fear of them not understanding. And a lot of them are still very traumatized by it. So it's a very psychological thing because they end up, you know, bogging you down. They can generally, the people who are doing this just continue to push and push and push and bog you down. And it really is life-changing in that it changes your personality of who you are. And so you come out of it really trying to understand what happened, how am I this person, because they have completely changed who you are as a person, because you are navigating these feelings day to day. And so most of them are, are traumatized by it. And so I always find it really interesting. And a lot of them just want some support or they want to feel like they're not alone. And a lot of them after reading that were telling me that they now didn't feel alone, that they were so happy to find it because the story because they haven't seen anything like it. Um, and then they could really relate to it. So I think that just more people need to talk about it, even though as hard as it might be, but it's because... They just need more people to talk about it so that people understand that it is happening to other people besides just them. So yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's really interesting of how many people reach out and, uh, and the types of stories that they have. It's kind of all over the board and the types of stories, but it's very similar in the actions that people are, are um, performing or, or doing when it comes to like the mistreatment and the misconduct and the issues that they're experiencing. 
I think so often when we're going through something like that, it does feel so isolating because you are nervous to come forward. You might feel a little afraid even to talk to friends and family about it because either they're going to tell you, you know, you have to get out of this work environment and that's, that's scary. That's a huge change and a lot of uncertainty, or they might tell you, you know, much worse, you're overreacting. He's just being nice. It's not what you think it is. And so it is, it is such an isolating experience, I think, to be going through something like that. What would you say on the flip side, if we work in an organization, we're not the ones going through it, someone comes to you and shares their experience of something that they're going through, how can we as friends, coworkers, leaders just support someone who's going through something like this? I think the biggest thing is just listening and being there to help and validate what they're experiencing. I think the worst thing that and the worst fear would be to go to someone and talk to them about it. And then they didn't believe them or they're trying to, you know, counteract what they're saying and saying, well, you know, it's just about listening and giving them some validation and so that they don't feel alone in number one. But I also think, you know, as leaders in particular is about, you know, also being vulnerable with them as a leader to whomever's coming forward to you as if you want people to open up to you and be vulnerable with you, it goes both ways. And you want people to be able to come forward when they're not sure or they're questioning what it is that they're experiencing. And that's the way to do it. Um, I, I feel much more comfortable going and talking to someone who has been vulnerable to me before or, you know, in some capacity where I know that if I go and talk to them, they're not going to not believe me or put me down or tell me I'm being oversensitive, things like that. And so I think that we just have to be really and be patient because. I think that as an individual trying to figure it out, I when this happened to me, I spoke with my parents often. And initially it was kind of that, it was because I didn't know either. So we're initially when it started happening, little things, it was just kind of like, well, I don't know, it, that's weird, but you know, just maybe it was a one-off thing. And so they were along for the ride for the whole time. And that's when it started being like, okay. Yeah, this is something bigger than what we think it is because of me writing it down and me being able to reference back to it and also talking to them with about it. But if if I would have went to them and they wouldn't have believed me or would have, you know, not been supportive, it's just helping them and helping them find alternatives and talking through it with them so that they don't feel alone. And that I think is the most important. I, I completely agree with that. And I'd love to know too, as we might be going through something difficult like this, you know, the toxic workplace, of course, the reporting that is so important and start recording what we're doing. What kind of self-care do you recommend? Or, you know, I know you mentioned therapy is something that a lot of these women, maybe all, I think you said all of these women are going through. Yes. Yeah. What do you recommend while you're going through it? And once you're on the other side of it, because I feel like even when it's over the effects, it's not uh, totally yeah. over. Right. Absolutely not. And that's another thing that people don't talk about is it's very, very de dependent on how you end up leaving or whatever happened afterwards. It is, it, it does take some time to just even process what had happened. And so I think the aftermath is, is pretty tough, but yeah, self-care in regards to obviously, yeah, like therapy is always good to have like a neutral party as someone you don't know to talk to about it. I think that that's always extremely important. I'm a big advocate on exercise. I know that it, it, it makes me feel better, even if I don't feel like doing it, but I am a big, big advocate of it because I do know what I feel like when I don't do it. And I just, I know that it, it puts me in a much better headspace 
when I do. And I think that goes across the board, whether you're in it or outside of it. It is another thing when it comes to like the exercising and the fitness part of it. I do think that it's easy to just stop doing it, but then it just make it part of your routine. It's just, mm-hmm. it's part of what you do. And I, I don't even think twice about it. It's not even a question of whether or not I'm doing it or not. It's just a matter of me going and it's part of my schedule. So I think it's always good to incorporate that and try to be as health, healthy as possible because sleep is important, but sometimes it's hard to sleep when you're going through that. So mm-hmm. you know, it's really hard when you're in it to be even be thinking clearly about what you should be doing wellness wise, because it's the last thing that you're thinking about. One of the things yeah. that I remember always getting home and I was so exhausted because it was such a hard to navigate all day long that I, that's when I, one of the things I realized was once it got towards the end, I started to realize that I, that's how my I realized my personality had changed slightly because normally I would know what was going on with my friends and my family and kind of, you know, be really mindful of reaching out to them to see how they're doing. And I realized that I had no idea because I hadn't reached out to them because I was too tired at the end of the day. I was exhausted from just navigating that all day. So, you know, obviously sleep is super important too um, and keeping in touch and trying to keep those relationships going so that it can keep you give you some sort of light uh, that you aren't seeing in in your normal day to day. I think that's such a good point too. And I hadn't really thought about that, but even when I was going through a toxic relationship, I do remember, you know, really losing those connections with friends Mm -hmm. and that's when you really need them. I mean, you always do, but that's such a huge part of our overall wellness that unfortunately I think during, until the pandemic, I didn't realize like how important human interaction really. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even if you're an introvert, that'll fill your cup a little bit when you're, yeah. Even if you just need like a, a little break after work from thinking about what you're going through and having all of that. So I think that is so important. I'd love to know too, um, as organizations, I think we talk a lot about creating safer spaces. I think companies are getting better with this. We're starting to have more of an open forum when it comes to diversity and inclusion and equity and especially, you know, for women as well. But I think there's a long way to go. What are your thoughts on creating a safer space for employees? Because I think it can be so scary to voice your concerns. And I think you mentioned this in your blog series. This is something in my company, which I've I've been happy with my company, but I have the same experience that the last time I heard about our retaliation policies was signing the employee handbook and I never heard about it again. And so I really couldn't tell you what those are. And so I'd love to know, how can we make people feel safer to, you know, kind of step forward? Yeah. And to your point right there. Yeah. It's, I, I do talk about that because I think it's really interesting is that if we want people to come forward, truly want people to come forward when something is going on and want to know, we have to be able to know what conversations to have and not have. So to your point, just yes, first day, you get the handbook, tells you what the policies and procedures are. The next time you may see anything about it potentially is um, after each year, they do like have to have like an annual training of some sort. And that's pretty much it. And so you think about it. And I think about even the organization that I was at. And I think I liked all the HR people. I liked some of those people. And so it wasn't about me not liking them or thinking that they're going to do something bad when I come and talk to them about it. It was just that we never talked about what would happen. And that's another terrifying thing is about coming forward is you want to know what's going to happen after you come forward. 
and you don't know what's going to happen. And so if we were to have, or if the organizations were to have these conversations ongoing with employees, so having ongoing conversations, hard conversations, maybe about different topics throughout the year, then I would be more entitled to come forward when something's happening because they're having these ongoing conversations about it. And it reminds me, oh, they're having this conversation or I might be in the middle of it and they have this conversation. But if they're only doing it at the day that you started, it's not coming up. And so I don't feel as safe to come forward because we aren't ever talking about it. And I don't know that what's going to happen once I go forward. So I think, you know, having these ongoing conversations or having with the, with your employees as a whole, like as a whole organization, having those hard topic conversations back and forth in whatever capacity that is, whether that be in a forum or each team does it however they want. I mean, there's different ways to do it because just because you have a good, let's say you have the best organization in the world, that doesn't mean that there aren't things happening that you don't know about. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. So that a lot of times orgs will say, well, our culture is great and everything's going good. And I, and I, I always am like, well, how do you know that though? Mm-hmm. Because people aren't coming forward directly to you or, you know, so that's the thing is like, it could happen to really good orgs. Yeah. It's not about that necessarily. I mean, obviously it's going to happen to people all over the board, but it could happen to anyone, whether or not it's just, you get one bad egg mm-hmm. in that organization and it could happen to anyone. And everyone feels, everyone feels differently about coming forward. So, you know, I might feel more comfortable coming forward in person, but Valerie might feel more comfortable coming forward, sending something over a platform over technology, mm-hmm. you know, or somebody else might feel more comfortable, you know, just sending an email, whatever it is. So it's about these organizations, about them being able to provide as many tools as possible so that they can try to, to um, fit as many people's needs as possible and about their comfortableness um, on what they feel safe and private doing is it might not be the same as the person next to them. And it's trying to be able to provide as many routes for them to do that so that, that you can get all the information that you need when something's going on. I think that's such a good point too, because, well, I think for one, you know, you you mentioned a lot of companies saying, well, we have a great culture and we create a safe space for everyone, but how do they really know? I mean, even when they send out employee surveys, I mean, plenty of people lie on the surveys because they're afraid of what, you know, the company could find out or how anonymous is it. And I think coming forward, I think that can be really scary to walk into a room with your documentation and, you know, set that down on the desk and say, this is what I'm experiencing and pray that somebody believes you and they take it seriously and there are repercussions and you never have to see the perpetrator again. Yeah. yeah, but it's not always you, – you don't know what the outcome is going to be, and it could be a longer, drawn-out process. So I love right. um, I love what you're doing where you have this online platform so that those who might not be as comfortable doing it that way, there's, there's a way to still be reporting that and to be keeping track. Talk to me a little bit about that and how Speakfully creates a safer work environment and what all we can do using the platform. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we always talk about our platform kind of being like, it's like, it's, it's a benefit that you provide to your employees because if you think about dental insurance, health insurance, employees don't need it every single day, but when they have it, they're happy and glad that they have it. Right. So 
they might not be experiencing something that they need to report every single day, but they do have it there if they need it. But our platform itself is we have two different platforms, two different types of products. And they both essentially, you know, one is more for um, corporate organizations, people sitting down at desks. And then we have another platform that can be much easier utilized for people out in the field um, who aren't sitting at desks where they just need to get to something quick. Um, they don't have to log into anything and they just want to report one-off incidents that happen. But yeah, so our, our platform allows for the anonymous or you can disclose yourself, whatever you choose to your organization. The organizational corporate one where people are sitting at desks uh, is our Speakfully product. So we have Speakfully and Speakfully now. Um, the Speakfully product was our first product that we had. And that one actually allows you to log entries as many as you want and then submit them when you're ready. Whereas our other platform is just one off. Like they go in, they write it and they submit because they're out in the field. They don't have the capability to be able to great log into an account um, and be able to do it that way. So we want to be able to provide to as many people as possible, but it also gives them, both of them give some data and analytics that allow the organizations to be more proactive and be able to um, understand what's happening within their organization on a, on a high level kind of see the trends that are happening, the types of issues that people are either reporting about or people are writing about and it allows them to, you know, prioritize. Like we're talking about those conversations that they should be having with people regularly. This will allow them to know what types of conversations to be having um, with the analytics that we provide. So that's another uh, positive thing that helps, you know, make people, allow people to come forward sooner because you're having these conversations that we're fueling you with. Uh, so that people will come forward sooner. Also have the capability to, to communicate back and forth with the employee within the platform, even if they report anonymously, so they can get more details so that they can take action if they need to. I think that's fantastic. And I love that you collect data as well, just to make it a little easier for the organization to really see, okay, there is a pattern of this type right. of behavior happening. And you know, maybe mm -hmm. it's a culture thing in our organization and something that we need to be, yeah, need to be talking about, need to be actively looking out for even if we maybe are receiving some of the information more anonymously or maybe not getting as much information as we need mm -hmm. right off the bat, at least we have something to be looking out for. What is your advice for someone who's beginning the reporting process? They they discover, you know, yeah, I think, I think I'm going through something that I want to start keeping track and start logging this. What should we, like, what, what advice do you have for really effectively documenting these types of situations? Mm -hmm. document as much as possible so a lot of the things is you the thing is is you always think and I'm sure a lot of people can attest to this you always think you're going to remember something and you're like oh I'm going to write that part down I'll remember that but you don't it's not it just doesn't happen especially if you're looking at it three months later four months later so my suggestion is to write as much down as possible about how what happened. So just give a, write down the story as it occurred, but also talk about how it made you feel. If you are doing anything differently than you were doing before because of what had happened. Yeah. Where it happened at, who else was there? Any other witnesses were there? Uh, when it happened, if you don't, if you're not doing it in a time stamp, you know, we also have Speakly as a free product where anyone can log into our free product on our website. They can go, they can go create an account log in and we give people a space there to document. So you can go into the Speakfully product. If your org doesn't have our platform, just go into our free product. We give you a space there to go in and log your entries. It timestamps them. 
Um, and then when you're ready, if you want, you can export it and then you can, you can personally submit it to your organization. I think that's great to have that option too, because I think there are a lot of organizations that do want to do better and they'd like to know what's going on and, and, and this is a great product for them that they, but I think unfortunately there are a lot of companies where they really need the product and they believe, well, we, we don't have an issue with this and this is something. And so for those employees to still have that resource and Mm -hmm. something to help guide them to be documenting those in an effective way, because there is so much emotion involved with it and it is a scary situation. It can be really difficult just to, just to write this, the right stuff down and get all of the details and to have something kind of prompting you. Absolutely. And writing, I mean, I will say that, I mean, it is, we talked earlier about when to start documenting and you do feel odd doing it. I will say that, especially at the beginning, you feel bad, you feel guilty because you're still trying to figure out what it is, but do it anyways. I promise it, 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 it does feel uncomfortable. Like I even have the documentation that I, that I did when I, um, when I was going through it, I, I, I can't even bear to look at it. It just makes me so uncomfortable. So I understand the fact that it is really hard to go in and write it down, especially in the moments when it's happening and even going back and reflecting on it. But what I will say is that it will benefit you in the long run doing that versus not doing it at all. And that would be like some main advice to, to you know, to people who are going through it as well is it isn't, it isn't, com- not, none of it's comfortable, none of it. Um, even going in and writing them down, it just feels odd because you aren't sure what it is yet. And who cares? It's only yours. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yours until you choose for it not to be. So it does eventually help, you know, process and, and, and be a little bit therapeutic in, in understanding what it is that you're experiencing when you read them like back to back. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you said the word uncomfortable and it made me realize too, you know, it's definitely uncomfortable to come forward and to to share and to be putting that information out there. But it is also very uncomfortable to be going through this situation that, that you're writing about in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. It is very uncomfortable to write about it. It, ma- it makes you feel because you're still questioning it. You're like am I, what I'm writing is this maybe it's, I mean, you just are writing it. And, and also a lot of times too, there's things that happen that you end up feeling like it's your fault. So when you're writing about these things, you are still questioning whether, okay, maybe this is my fault and you're writing about it, but I promise you, you write it down, you look at it three months later and you do, then you're like, okay, no, this, this is not my fault, you know? And so I think that Mm -hmm. that's that whole mentally it's so mentally exhausting because it's just constant roller coaster of just all over feelings that you Mm -hmm. shouldn't be feeling because it shouldn't be happening definitely now if you could either go back in time and talk to yourself when you were in that situation or just in general to anyone who might be listening today and going through that now what do you wish that you had heard maybe when you were going through it or what would you tell yourself it's a good question. I think I obviously have these conversations with people now, but even if, you know, if I was, if what I wish I would have heard, I think to what kind of what we spoke about before is I wish that there was more conversations regularly from an organization standpoint, not directed at me, but just directed to all employees. Because if I was to continue to hear that, continue to hear that over time as I was dealing with it, it might've made me feel more comfortable to come forward sooner 
Um, I don't think it would have prevented him from doing anything differently, to be honest. But mm-hmm. I do think I could have potentially would have went forward sooner. And I wish that I knew that what I was going through, that it's really hard to tell until you, until you have the buildup of events, mm-hmm. it, you're not sure. Right. So, you know, that one thing happened and I went to HR, it wouldn't have really been a thing, but then, you know, the 20 things that happened after I was like, okay, wait a minute. Like this is not, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I, I obviously wish I would have gotten out sooner. It was, was definitely mentally very tough and that's putting it lightly. Uh, it's very traumatizing for me and my whole family, to be honest. Um, I was single in my mid thirties and that my, my family was my backbone. And so I, it was really, it's really traumatizing for all of us to, to think about it again, because it was very hard. And so just knowing and letting people know that you will get through it and that they're, you know, you're not alone. I think that was one thing too. Like you, the biggest thing you wanted in those moments was to not feel like you were alone, that um, you wanted validation that it is in fact what you're going through is not okay. And just more resources out there to be able to help me. And that's, you know, again, why we created Speakfully and why we have the free product and why we have all of these things. And our whole goal is to try to make people feel more comfortable coming forward, speaking up, having a voice, because we're not, we're, we're not going to be able to prevent this from happening, period, because we can't prevent the way that people are, but we can try to educate the people that it's happening to you so that they can feel comfortable coming forward sooner than later. I completely agree with that. And I I mean, I think it's unfortunate that we can't prevent it from happening. But I do think as well, as you're educating those who are going through it and educating others in an organization who are not perpetrating it, it may help them to maybe identify things that are going on and maybe be able to speak up for their peers. And mm-hmm you know, be able to be a better support for others. And even for, you know, our well-meaning coworkers who might've said a few years ago, well, maybe you're being sensitive, mm-hmm. helps them, I think, look at things through a different lens and realize that things can be a lot more serious. And so I think, I think any kind of change starts with having those conversations. And while we can't stop people from being toxic individuals, unfortunately, we can build up the strength to move away from it. We can maybe build the company's culture to not accept those behaviors. And I think there are still, I think the future is still positive. I think there's a lot we still can do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's getting there. It's the needle moves is moving really slow. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know a lot of organizations want to do it. It's just about prioritizing it. And to be honest, Mm -hmm. there's there's sometimes where it feels like it's a priority and then sometimes it's not and, or it's still a priority, but it just goes farther down the list. And mm-hmm. so I think it just depends on the timing and what's happening in the world at the moment of where things are being prioritized. And hopefully, you know, we just move the needle little by little. And that's all that I, then I can hope for is eventually, you know, we'll be full force and everyone will be, be open to, to put, implementing different things that will help um, people come forward, but little by little, that's all we can ask one day at a time. Definitely. And I did love what your organization is doing. And I saw recently, really, I guess it was pre-pandemic that you all did a couple of dinners too for yes. women to talk about what they're going through. I'd love to know about that or those on the horizon post-pandemic and what all do you have planned in the works in the coming year? Yeah. Great question. We had to cancel a couple. Yeah. I am so excited that we can hopefully soon start doing some more in-person events. 
I wouldn't say that it would be happening this year, but hopefully next year we'll be able to do some of those. We want to continue them because they definitely were very successful. Um, we just brought together women. Um, we had from different organizations and, you know, had like, we got little meet and greets, sat down, talked about our experiences in the workplace. Um, it was a very touching, emotional uh, dinners. We had two, actually two women's dinners and we had one men's dinner actually. And that was definitely, in, and having conversations about, you know, how, how they want to make sure that, you know, people in their organization speak up and have a voice. And so, and, and their experiences as men. So very interesting, very intimate dinners and they were great. And I think that we want to continue to do those, you know, starting next year, hopefully if we're able. Outside of that, what's coming up in the horizon. One thing that we're looking and working on doing right now is we're working on um, coming up with a potential community for individuals to be able to um, sign up for. Uh, kind of going back to the to the fact of these women that I'm speaking with or that I have spoke with that we talked about earlier, um, a lot of them say there, I wish that there was like a workplace support group that we could have some of these conversations and I can talk about it with other people who have gone through something like this. Cause that's makes it much easier for them to speak about. And so we're currently working on trying to create such things um, so that we are able to have something like that. And so that, that's something that we're, we're currently figuring out at the moment. So hopefully that will be something that will be coming this year for sure. But I love the idea of creating a community around that because yeah. you're right. I mean, it really, anytime you're going through something like that, I mean, that is such an isolating situation for so many. And whether you have a group of women who have just gone through it and you're kind of navigating the aftermath mm-hmm. or you're getting ready to come forward and maybe you need Almost that accountability and someone to, you know, be in your corner and to be your cheerleader. And maybe you don't have your, I I think it's, I think it's great. You know, you have a close relationship with your family. I have a close relationship with my family. They've helped me through a lot, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. And especially, I think you were living, you were living in a city where, you know, you didn't know anybody. Right. And I'm sure that's the case for so many who are afraid to come forward or having, and so having that community, I think that is going to be such an amazing experience, especially I think so many of us now. And, you know, I think going into the next year and next couple of years from the trauma that is COVID, um, we're starved for community. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. And that's where we hope to be able to create that community, have a platform for it, and then be able to, you know, next year, be able to take from that community and have those people be involved in the dinners that we do. And that would be, and then we can actually meet in person. And eventually if it got big enough, we could make chapters and people could go and talk to each other about these things in person. So hopefully that will help um, when people are, you know, going through these different types of, of things that they need some, some guidance on. I love that. I'm so excited for you. I think that's going to be such an incredible addition to an already very helpful platform that is guiding workers through, you know, through a difficult time and through something that nobody teaches you in school about these types of things. And nobody talks to you. And, you know, when you go to college and you're learning all of these workplace readiness, Yeah. Yeah. You don't learn about documenting toxic workplace environments. I know. I know. And yeah, it's one of those things that, yeah, you don't learn about it. 
And so that's where a lot of times it happens to people that come out of college. But, you know, for me, I had been out of school. I was in my mid thirties and it could happen to anyone, but you hear about it happening to all ages. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, you don't learn about it. You don't know about it unless you're listening to someone's life story that it's happened about. So it's more about spreading the word and trying to educate people so that they do know the different options that they have when they do start to feel like they're experiencing something. Absolutely. Now, I'd love to switch gears a little bit and just ask you a few of our rapid fire questions as well for the listeners to get to know you. Sure. Awesome. (laughs) So what would you say is your top wellness tip? I think we talked about this earlier. For me, it's just like routine exercise, make it a part of your day and and sleep. Sleep super important um, as well. But I think we kind of covered those a little earlier. Um, But those are my big ones by far. This is what I live. I live by those. Those make such a difference. I have been in the process right now of kind of cleaning up my sleep as we speak. And mm-hmm. the days that I've really stuck to a schedule, I feel just like a new person. I know. I know. It's, it, it definitely, definitely does wonders. It, it, otherwise, if you're not, then it's kind of, you're kind of all over the place and you feel like a little chaotic. <laughs> Yeah, it could be organized chaos, but it still feels could be a little chaotic. But yeah, incorporating your exercise in every day, um, without even and your sleep and in, in doing that is is I mean, obviously, you're gonna go off of it every once in a while. And that's totally normal. But it's about getting back on is is mm-hmm. the key and making sure you continue to do it when you're able. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, where's your top travel destination? Um, I love to travel. So I would say my most top place I like to travel, like most favorite up to this point, I would say was Costa Rica. I actually, January pre-COVID, so right before COVID hit, um, luckily I got this trip in. I went and did like a solo trip um, to Costa Rica and I did it where you signed up and you um, you go on this trip with 10 to 12 different people that you don't know from all over the world and you meet and you get this guided tour throughout the country of Costa Rica. It was the most fun I've ever had. And I met people from all over the world and we took a little, and we all got along so great. And as all people, I think that the age range that was um, meant to be when you signed up was in your thirties or forties. So you can like choose that. It was amazing. I mean, I've never done anything like it, but yeah, you just like sign up and then you go hang out with people you've never met and you travel with them. The guide brings you all over the country and plans all of the things for you. It, It was amazing. That's so cool. That's such a cool way to travel and just get to know other people. And now you have, you know, friends from all over the world. We still talk. We still all talk. That's amazing. And I'm glad you got that in before the pandemic too. I I know. Yeah. I have so much envy for those early 2020 travelers. (laughs) I know. We talk about all the time. We're like, oh, we got back, you know, right, right before it started off. So yeah, it was Mm -hmm. definitely awesome. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. If you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? Uh, well, so I love the water. I love heat. I love warm weather. I love the water. So if I could be any animal, I don't want to be a fish, but I would be like a seal. A seal can like Ooh. swim around. They can go lay on rocks and, you know, be in the sun, but they can go and swim they can hang on to boats and like ride the boat. Like they could no, they can't. But like, it would be like I think it could be fun to 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 be a seal. I love that. I've never gotten that answer before. And now I would really love to see a seal on a boat. 
Well, I, so I have a picture of one. So when I was, I was um, on, I don't remember, I was, I was on a family vacation a, a few years ago with my parents, and we were in, I think we we're in Cabo in Mexico, and um, we went on, you know, you get one of those fishing boats, so they rent a boat and you do deep sea fishing, and the fit as we were coming back into the the marina where the boat was at, you were able to. Um, this, the, they were they feed the the seals like they put they have like big things of fish and they feed the seals so like the seals were like jumping on the back of the boat and just like sitting there it oh was my the gosh thing. it was the cutest thing they kept feeding them fish but then I didn't realize I, I never thought about it before but seals don't have they like, don't have anything to hold on hold the fish onto so they have to catch it in their mouth otherwise they don't oh yeah it. so then I was felt bad for them when they couldn't get the fish but I had never really thought about it and then as I was watching the dude but it was very cute very cute oh my gosh yeah I guess I hadn't thought of that either but uh but they're adorable they're they're such cool animals I know and so they're always gets to be in the sun they can they can do all that they can be in the water and that's you know two of my favorite things so I'll go with steel it sounds like the life (laughs) (laughs) if you could master completely new skill what would that be oh I'm currently learning how to golf which I think would be super fun to be you know, master. Um, so I would say that I just, again, it's outside. So I, you know, and I was always jealous during the, during the pandemic of, especially towards like the latter end of the pandemic where people were able to go golfing as you know, because it, if you're outside mm-hmm. in the distance and I don't know how to golf cause I, I was so jealous of that. Like that's, I want to go and do that, but I can't. So golf and I really, I am an operational, you know, I have technical people on my team. I think it'd be awesome to learn how to code. Um, oh, yeah. but I, I just, I, I find that, I find it amazing and very cool to watch, but it, I just don't, I don't know if that will ever happen, but I think that would be an awesome thing to master. That would be awesome. I mean, that's something I would love to learn some of the basics and golf. I feel, right. you know, I'm so jealous of all the men in my company that get to go to some of the golf tournaments and they just yeah. seem to be having a great time. And um, so one, one of these days I'm going to learn enough so that I can be, you know, on one of the teams, I think. Right. Yes. You can go, you can get lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what is next for you on your bucket list? You know, I've never, to be, I mean, I'm being told this, I've never really had a bucket list. Um, But what I'll say is after post, post pandemic, everyone's answers are different post pandemic. I honestly, I just, I don't, I don't have a bucket list. I just kind of want to just go with the flow, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. like if something comes up, go and do, try new things. If, 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 and hang out with the people that want that I enjoy and people that enjoy my company and, and do those things. So whatever that might be, I'm super down for it. I don't have anything that I'm like, Oh, I just have to do this. I just, I want to do it all. So mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like going with the flow and whatever comes up and naturally comes then just to do it. Always say yes and, and try it out. I think that's a great answer. And I think post pandemic too, it was so hard to, I mean, you kind of had to go with the flow, but if you wanted to go see friends or really go do anything, there was a lot of planning involved and, you know, what are, you know, what are the rules and is it Mm -hmm. safe? And yeah. Mm -hmm. So to just on a whim, okay, yeah, let's go do this. I think that is something we've been missing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Have some spontaneity. I like being spontaneous and just doing things and and not having lots of 
like when it comes to like trips and stuff like that, just kind of like, let's just plan and go, you know? Mm -hmm. Quick plan. Yeah. I need to take a page out of that book. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love planning trips, like the planning piece of it, but I like how it can be like spontaneous. And I don't, one thing I I don't like planning a trip that's a year out because it just seems so far out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like it to be sooner than that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Now, Jana, how can listeners find you and connect and learn more about Speakfully? Yeah, uh, they can go to our website. It's www.speakfully.com. They could find me on LinkedIn under my Jana Morin. They could email hello at speakfully.com. That will eventually get to me. Or they could find us on, I mean, we're also, our, our handles on Instagram and Twitter are at speakfully now. So any of those ways they can reach out. Wonderful. I'll make sure to link all of those in the show notes. And I will also link the blog series as well so that um, for those who would like to, you know, maybe read a little bit more of your story, who maybe they're going through it too. And they kind of, sometimes it helps to see what somebody else went through. I think definitely share that. But I would like to say thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your story and your wisdom with us today. Well, thanks for having me, Valerie. I appreciate it. It's been fun. I loved getting the chance to chat with Jana and learn more about how Speakfully helps those who are going through difficult workplace issues. If you're going through something like this now, I hope this episode lets you know that you're not alone and that there are resources out there for you to make the coming forward process just a little less scary. I know that it's always going to be something that's difficult, but hopefully with resources like this, we can at least get our documentation in order and gain the confidence to come forward in a difficult situation. I also thought this information was incredibly helpful for me to understand how I could best support as a friend, as a leader, as a coworker, anyone that I know who might be going through something like this in the future. And I hope it does that for you as well. I highly encourage you to pop over to the Speakfully blog to read Jana's full story of what she went through. I've linked her story in the show notes so that you can read a little bit more. And I also recommend trying out Speakfully if you ever need help documenting a toxic environment in your workplace, or if you're looking for something to add to the workplace, maybe you are in a benefits type role and you're able to offer this to your employees just to create that safer workplace. So again, highly recommend it, highly encourage you to check out the links in the show notes to learn more. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in from. As I mentioned in the previous episodes, we're about to come up on our one-year anniversary of the podcast. It is so hard to believe, but I will be hosting a very special episode to celebrate and we'll be answering listener questions. So feel free to send your questions my way or send me any topic suggestions as well for future episodes. You can email me at Valerie at wellnessandwanderlust.net or DM me on Instagram at wellnessandwanderlustblog. Hit that subscribe button to keep up with new episodes, share this episode with a friend, and have a wonderful day, friends. I cannot wait to see you next week.